This podcast is sponsored by PNR Publishing. Stay tuned at the end of the podcast to hear about Leland Riken's highly anticipated new book, 40 Favorite Hymns for the Christian Year, available now at prpbooks.com. Welcome to Mortification of Spin, a casual conversation about things that count, with Carl Truman and Todd Pruitt. Mortification of Spin is a weekly podcast from the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. Let's join this week's conversation. Welcome to Mortification of Spin. My name is Carl Truman, professor at Grove City College in beautiful Western Pennsylvania. Here with my friend and co-host, the Reverend Todd Pruitt, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Harrisonburg, Virginia. In you got it. What he describes, and I have no reason to doubt him, as the beautiful Shenandoah Valley. It is. Man, it is. I am on a roll. I know where you live, and I uh-huh. know which church you serve at after all these years. I, I'm getting I feel very important. Word yeah. perfect on that. Word perfect. I, yeah, yeah, I'm kind of touched, actually. Yeah, Actually, Cruella DeVille provides me with these wonderful cue cards that I just read as they <laughs> across the screen. And, and let me, I, I want to I make an observation here, Carl, before you uh, bring us into the, into the subject for today. I just, I just want to let our listeners know um, before Carl says something crass about it, we're recording remotely uh, through the wonderful gifts of technology, and I happen to be wearing a, uh, a sleeveless T-shirt, but I, but I have a, an observation here. I'm Todd, saying, so, of course, some things cannot be unimagined. I really don't <laughs> think the listeners needed to it's, know it's, that. It's a sleeveless T-shirt. Uh, you know, the only thing exposed are my, my gorgeous arms. But, but I do, I, I have an observation as I'm watching Carl uh, through through this wonderful gift of technology, that Carl must have a banjo nearby. Do you do you have a banjo nearby? Ah, you've blown my new secret. You've seen my picks see, on my I fingers. See, I see the banjo picks on your fingers. I know what banjo picks are. Let me just show you. I have a banjo. I have nice. a banjo. Now, now, why did this happen? Uh, well, my new book that's coming out in November, if I can just get a quick plug in, that basically... I've decided that's my, my contribution, such as it is. Uh, and uh, I'll probably continue to write stuff, but it'll just be for fun now. Okay. And I can't play a musical note. I'm a totally unmusical person. My son, my youngest son, is a genius on strings. He's a banjo player. He plays numerous instruments. And I decided the other week, you know what? I'm going to learn a musical instrument. And I gave my wife the choice. I said, <laughs> what, do you want? What, what should I learn? The banjo? or the bagpipes, <laughs> because I had this idea that uh, my neighbors would appreciate me piping the sun as it rose at six o'clock in the morning <laughs> off my back deck. And, but my wife, uh, my wife outvoted me. In any family vote, she gets two votes, and I get one. And, uh, and, and, and what's amazing to me, Carl, is your wife is Scottish. She is Scottish. And, and she, she did, chose... And she chose to put and the And she loves on the that. pipes. She even cried once when listening to uh, It's a Long Way to the Top by ACDC when the bagpipes <laughs> come in. <laughs> because the pipes always make her cry. And I think that was probably it, that, that she knew that I would be such a great piper. It would make she her terrible. cry every day. Right. Yeah. Exactly. You okay. know, well, it would break her emotionally. 
Well, I, I am very much looking forward uh, to an upcoming performance by you. And may, maybe, I'll tell you what would be the peak of coolness is if we could get um, Robbie George. Who, oh, that, you, you, uh, you and Robbie to, uh, to, to, to do a little composition for us. I'm not worthy to tune the strings on his banjo. Uh, no, that's, uh, no. But it's, I just thought it'd be fun. So, uh, yeah, Cripple Creek in six months' time. That's what I mean. There you go. Okay, well, outstanding, outstanding. Okay, well, now that everybody is up to date on our personal lives, uh, Carl, are, are we going to talk about anything that is substantive today? Uh, no, we're going to talk about the PCA. <laughs> so, no, oh, nice! Only had you, you nice. set me up for that one. Um, <laughs> actually, I do want to talk about something substantive. I do want to talk in a sense about the PCA, also the OPC, the ACNA. Mm -hmm. In fact, uh, let's, let's talk about something that's going to have an impact and probably an unfortunate impact on all churches in the United mm -hmm. States. And that I think is the big question of will people return to church mm -hmm. once the COVID crisis is over? We don't know exactly when the crisis will, will, will be over. I have a strong suspicion that we will actually return to some level of relative normality within the next four or five months. I, I, I'm confident that's going to be the case. Okay. The question will be, how many of those people who have got used to worshipping online or perhaps have got used to not worshipping at all will mm -hmm. return to church? What impact is that going to have on the churches? How is it going to reconfigure the way we think about church? Uh, will it cause mass closures? I was having uh, lunch with a friend in another denomination, not a Presbyterian denomination, but a good friend of mine who ministers in another faithful Christian denomination in the United States uh, a couple of weeks ago. And he said to me that uh, he'd received a letter from the sort of the high hegians in his denomination. Mm -hmm. uh, I can't remember the exact figure, but I'm pretty sure he said that, that he'd been told or Ministers in his denomination have been told that I think between 30 and 40 percent of congregations in that denomination might well close wow. within the next two to three months. Goodness. And that's staggering and catastrophic. And I, I, I wonder if, well, let, yeah, let's have a discussion about this. Let's <laughs> think about why might people not return to church and why should they return to right. church? What are they missing if they don't return to church? Yeah. Well, it, first thing, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the fact that you're not nearly as pessimistic about it as, as, as I am. Because typically, as an Englishman, isn't pessimism just sort of what you do? Um, well, I would say I'm a realist. The English oh, are okay. realists. No, okay. ser seriously, we tend to think that, that it's going to get a lot worse before it gets right. even worse than that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's, that's kind of where I... I, I, I'm finding myself these days, and maybe it's just because of, 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 of all of the signs of, of Armageddon that are going on around us um, in the typical American city uh, these days, where, why I'm a little bit pessimistic. But my guess is that um, churches, uh, churches with, with, you know, that are reasonably healthy, you know, and healthy uh, attendance, even churches that tend to be confessional and so therefore tend to teach kind of a higher ecclesiology to their people and churches that have membership vows. I, I, I think that they're going to see many of them are going to see a downtick in their attendance long-term that even as everything else gets back to a, a semblance of, nor, of, of normalcy, I think that there's going to be an overall negative impact 
on church attendance. And the reason being because I think a lot of our folks are finding out that hanging out with your pajama pants on and a cup of coffee um, and, uh, and a donut while you're watching the service is actually pretty pleasurable. It's a lot less stressful. You don't have to get ready. And plus now, I think a lot of our folks are, are falling into a pattern where they go to the lake now two or three times a month on Sundays, and they can still catch the service um, via live stream or, or watching it later recorded. They're, yeah. they're just able to do that. And, and whatever sense they have of, uh, you know, maybe being uncomfortable because they did take membership vows is overcome by the fact that it's just a lot more fun to be at the lake on Sunday, or it's just a lot easier to leave the pajama pants on and have a cup of coffee. That's where I think we're going to be. And I think, I think most churches, even after everything else gets back to, to a semblance of normalcy, are going to see a downtick in their attendance. I hope I'm wrong about that. I hope I'm wrong about that, but I'm, I'm, I'm not super optimistic. Well, you certainly aren't going to see an increase, I don't think. We can certainly say that the best case scenario would be a return to what we, we had before, same numbers, right. right? And I think that's very unlikely, and I think what, what you're pointing to, one of the things about being a Christian is it's, it is a corporate thing. I mean, being a human being is a corporate thing, and we're very much shaped by the attitudes, the behaviors, the thinking of the people that we surround ourselves with. And uh, detached from the body of Christ physically, detached from the corporate gathering of the church, uh, we will lose the momentum. We will lose the desire to be at the corporate gathering of the church. And the longer that continues, the, uh, the deeper it will be. One of the things that, that my wife and I were very careful to do during the time when our church was not meeting physically but only doing online was we made sure that we were at both services and we, we didn't right. do the thing about, well, let's listen to, you know, Liam Golliger at 10th this, this right. Sunday. No, let's listen to our local guy. Let's, let's make sure that we are as disciplined as we can be about our local church support in these very unusual circumstances. Right. Uh, and it was not ideal, but, you know, I, I think, the longer it goes on, the harder that kind of discipline is is to maintain. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and so, so that raises the question, of course, of 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 what you're losing. And and I speculated in a recent article. In some ways, it's it's easier if you come from a highly sacramental Christian tradition mm-hmm. to make the case for physical presence being necessary, uh, or, right. or at least highly desirable. If you're Roman Catholic or Eastern Orthodox, and Taking the mass, communion is the absolute epicenter of your worship, and it's it's the way that you think God's grace is being communicated to you. It's mm-hmm. the way God makes Himself present to you. Then that really tilts you towards actually being there. Now I know that both Orthodox and Catholic theology have sort of get-out clauses that mean it's not absolutely essential, right. but the tilt is strongly towards being there. Protestantism, it's harder to make that case because we, and I think correctly, emphasize the public reading and preaching of God's word as central. We see the proclamation of God's word as being how he confronts his people, how he makes himself present with his people. Mm-hmm. And we seem to be able to get that over a, an internet connection and a screen in a way that, you know, with the best will in the world, I can't take the mass through a computer right. screen. But I can hear 
my local pastor preach to me through a computer screen. So I think there's a Protestants theologically have got to work harder at, at justifying real presence, if I can put it that the real presence of, of the of the people in the church. Right. And the and the powerful thing that God does when his people are assembled together. And I think this again is a is a is a challenge for particularly contemporary Protestants, the, the idea, because this technology wouldn't have even been dreamt about a few generations ago, um, uh, it, it presents a fairly new problem. And, and, I, and I think at the heart of it is the idea that when I go to church, I'm there having my experience with God. I, I want to know what the pastor has to say to me. And when, when we go back in history, Biblically, it was, it was God speaking to his people, his, his people gathered. And I'm not saying that there's not individual uh, applications as we hear the word together, but, but, but the, the witness of the whole company of God's people was always uh, just assumed. That was the typical way that God spoke to his people um, as they were with one another assembled. And, and that still seems to be uh, the case through the ministry of the apostles and we would assume so now in, in the church as well through the ministry of, of pastors and ministers. But the technology on this, and again, it's a double-edged sword. I'm thankful that people who physically legitimately can't get to church, they're, they're in a retirement community and physically they can't get there or, or, or they're, that they have a debilitating illness that keeps them out for a long time. I'm so thankful that we have something like live stream now and we hear from some of those folks yeah. now, and, and they're so yeah. rejoicing in that. Well, thank God for that, no doubt about it. But when I choose to separate myself from the gathered community for reasons like I want to eat a donut and watch a service online, and I don't want to get up and get the kids ready, this is easier. When I separate myself from the withness of God's people at that point, um, I'm, I'm not hearing the sermon as it's intended to be heard. I'm not hearing the word of God as it is intended to be heard um, alongside my brothers and sisters. I'm yeah, hearing it as yeah. this separate, what's it for me? Yeah. And that's not why we preach. That's not why God gathers his people together to hear the word. So we're changing the purpose of, of preaching. We're yeah. changing the purpose and functionality of the ministry of the word in that way. I, I think you're right. I think it's it's shifting preaching towards an informational kind of model. Right. That what you're actually getting is information. You're having the Bible explained to you probably yes. quite well, but by somebody on yes. the screen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and it comes down to, it's hard to articulate, but there is an importance of, about physical presence. I mean, mm -hmm. uh, one of the things that has always struck me is, you know, you can watch, you know, I've seen Tennessee Williams, Streetcar Named Desire. I've seen the movie with Marlon Brando. It's a great yeah. movie. Vivian Lee, Marlon Brando. It's a memorable yeah. movie to watch. I also saw it in the West End over 20 years ago. I went to the mm. West End of London and I saw it with uh, Toby Stevens and Jessica Lange as the lead characters. Mm -hmm. There is a difference. There is a power involved in being physically mm. present in a theater or a sport. You know, it's one thing to watch a sports game on TV. In some ways, sports games are better on TV because you get the replays, you get the commentary, sure. et cetera, et cetera. But nothing beats actually being at a game, hearing the roar of the crowd, seeing it all going down in front of you. Yep. There's a metaphysics of presence that can be hard to articulate, but I think it's an important part of preaching. Yep. That when you listen to the preacher online, his presence is mediated to you through a flat screen. 
mm-hmm. and to an extent that flattens his presence, if I could put it that mm-hmm. way. You know, it's interesting. I, I it, recently, um, uh, in, in lieu of all the lockdowns, um, Disney did a, a, a televised version of the, the, the smash Broadway play Hamilton and to, to much praise. And, and I haven't watched it yet, but I've, I've talked to several people who have seen it in New York and watched the, the same cast, you know, as it was filmed and then broadcast on TV. And they said, you know, the, the broadcast was wonderful, but it's not like being there. I mean, every yeah, person I've yeah. talked to, and, and I've seen articles written on it about the, the power of being there with the people watching yeah. it together. Well, of course that's true. And, you know, again, I think that this is the way that, barring extraordinary circumstances, this is the way that God has designed us to receive his word. Um, Carl, you and I were talking earlier about a, an article that Rod Dreer wrote, and uh, uh, I, I love Dreer because he seems to be as sad and pessimistic as I was going to say, it was, it was an upbeat optimistic <laughs> article, I presume, coming from Rod. Yeah, yeah. you know, like I said, I, I, when, I, when I read Rod Dreer, I, I feel right in the zone, yeah. you know, just yeah. sad and pessimistic, but really interesting articles because because he, he deals with this issue specifically. And uh, Rod, for, for those who don't know, is an Orthodox Christian, Eastern Orthodox. And, and he, he writes an article uh, based upon a, a conversation he had with a, a friend of his who is a, a Southern Baptist theologian. Um, and they were talking about this whole issue of, are people going to go back? And and as a part of Dreer's article, he, he borrows from an interview that was done with a Southern Baptist pastor named uh, Robbie Gallaty. And I, I met Robbie once. He's a, he's a wonderful guy just in terms of the fact that I met him. He was very friendly. We had a great conversation. But he's, uh, you know, he's pastor of a, a Southern Baptist a mega church in Hendersonville, Tennessee. And he was interviewed on this very subject. You know, are, are churches going to be uh, needing to really be intentional about we're just going to have to get used to the idea that we've got a congregation who attends and a congregation who watches. And Gallaty in the interview just seems to, to be fairly fatalistic, but pragmatic about this. His, his assumption seems to be, well, yeah, I mean, we, we just, you know, times are changing. We've got to adjust with it. And so one of the things that they're doing at, uh, at his church, which is called Long Hollow uh, Baptist Church, is they are hiring a pastor for their online campus. Um, now, of course, there is no such thing as an online campus, but that's a subject for another day, or maybe not. And But, but they're hiring a, a pastor for the people who are just going to be watching their services online. You know, he calls this, uh, you know, a, a, a both-and approach. The article quotes him as saying, uh, that's the future of our church. Mm. And if we say, no, we're not going to reach them online, they're just going to have to come uh, for in-person only then I think we're going to miss where people are. And again, this is, a, this is the way it is. Yeah. And so we've got, to, we've got to adjust to this. And, you know, I, I could spend a long time thinking through the whole issue of an online pastor yeah. just alone. But, but there's some really strange things there. Yeah, I mean, these are not left field guys we're talking about here. Right. These, are good, these right. are good guys, you know, yep. uh, and they're not motivated by by greed or something mm-hmm. like, you know, the, 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 the numbers game. Yep. Genuinely trying to. He's got, to he's got love souls. He has a, yep, he's got a passion for evangelism. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but there's something, there's yeah. something that, that I cannot make peace with about that. Yeah. Yeah. 
That's that's interesting. I, I'm sure that uh, Mark Dever and Al Mola will have a strong response. On that one. <laughs> I, I hope they do. I, I hope so. You know, <laughs> it, it, yeah, you know, and, and Mark, yeah. you know, Mark is one of those guys where uh, he's been a her- heroic stander for for the congregation. Oh, yes. Yep, the, the congregation. It, so. Yep, no, uh, no, um, you know, go and watch it on the screen. Uh, in fact, he even eschews uh, multiple services. Um, yeah, yeah. For, for that reason. And again, so, you know, you have this collision in this case between two philosophies, both Southern Baptists. In fact, Rob, Robbie yeah. Galaxy has strong connections with yeah, Mark Dever yeah. and Nine Marks. And so it's interesting to see these very um, irreconcilable uh, philosophies here yeah, of, yeah. listen, no, the church is is the gathered community to the yeah. extent that we're only going to have one service I, on the one hand and and well no we're going to have our online campus and our in-person campus and we're even going to hire a pastor for yeah. the online campus how does that work yeah and i think it highlights the difference again this is not a criticism of this particular individual I, no. uh, uh, but it's i think it, it it highlights the difference between two different versions views of ministry one which is very theologically driven yeah. and the other one is more pragmatically driven and i right. by using pragmatism i'm not saying you know anything goes sure but it, it it's where the the ends justify the means mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it's where it is yeah in our circle well in my circles pca circles um, it's called missional. We, we don't want to use the word pragmatic because that sounds too crass. So, yeah. so what we do is we call it missional, yeah. by, w- by which we say, um, you know, uh, whatever it takes, you know, anything to, uh, uh, to, to get to the person. Yeah. That yeah. means we need to never mention abortion yeah. because we pastor a church in Manhattan or, or you know, or, or, or never mention racism because we pastor a church in Alabama, whatever. You know, we're going to be yeah. missional. Yeah. Um, Again, that touches on some important things because it is important to be aware of your audience uh, and and to make sure that you don't unnecessarily offend in ways that are not connected to the cross. But uh, we're sort of, I mean, time's running on here, Todd. Quick, quick question. Uh, It's been suggested to me by somebody emailed me, but when I wrote about this, that, you know, one of the other reasons why people may not go back to church is that ministers in the past have been so watered down in their theology. Yes. Really, people are beginning to realize they're not missing very much by not being at church on Sunday. Right. You know, right. it's easy for us to sit here as, as guys with a vested interest in bigging up pastors and, 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 right. and blaming congregations. Right. But mm-hmm. what about the pastor's response? Maybe the pastor has not preached a robust gospel. Yeah. He's, he's not been theologically deep. He's not communicated well. Is it possible that large numbers of Christians have just decided that actually their experience of church makes the case for church's irrelevance at this point? Yeah, I I think so. One of the things we've talked about before on this program is the necessity of doing systematic theology as you're doing biblical exposition to feed the flock really good theology. And I would say also along with that, and another thing we've advocated for is as you uh, have a, a a typical practice of preaching through books of the Bible um, also fit in there various topics from time to time, which really address specific issues from the biblical text. You know, it's interesting. Um, Ligonier just released their annual uh, survey of depression, what I call it, or their theology uh, survey, where they where they uh, uh, compare you know responses to various key theological questions, like is Jesus you know, the son of God is, is Jesus the only way to salvation. And they compare the, the, the responses 
to people in general and then with those who, who identify as evangelical Christians. And, you know, the numbers are bleak um, on some of those very, very basic um, types of, of issues. Now, you can't blame a pastor for every single thing. However, um, I, I, I do think the landscape of American churches tells a sad story about a real crying need for, for better instruction from the pulpit, um, Sunday school classes, that sort of thing, because we have large numbers of Christians who are sharp enough that, that they know how to identify themselves as, quote, an evangelical Christian, but they're not too sure that Jesus was actually the Son of God. That's a problem. And again, you can't lay everything at the feet of pastors, but clearly there's a disconnect there. We do tend to take credit when things go well as well. <laughs> right. you know, you've got to right. be, yeah. you know, what's good for the goose is good for the gander. Yeah, um, absolutely. And so, well, you know, I can't help it because they don't attend church. Well, why don't they attend church? Yeah. Do you practice church discipline? Do you have uh, something beyond just a, a, a the merest form of a statement of faith? Do you have a confession yeah. of faith? Do you have a means that you catechize people beginning yeah. in their childhood? Um, you know, one of the things that I, that, that I'm so grateful for in being a part of a confessional denomination with, with a larger and shorter catechism is that periodically from the pulpit, I'll yell out a question from the children's catechism and I'll hear all of these young voices shout back the answer to some of these things because they're, they're being catechized, you know, get yourself in a church that is doing these things. But the landscape of American evangelicalism is such a hodgepodge. Of, of individualism, um, there's, there's something for everybody, it seems. And there's, a, and there's a lot of people that want good, deep, biblical, theological preaching, and there's a lot of people that want Joel Osteen, clearly, by the numbers, there are. You know, when you pastor the largest church in America, you've got some influence. Well, we basically did, did this program to make you really sad um, out there, and uh, we hope that we've uh, uh, delivered. Um, our job is done. If we can get a good Oprah moment and make you cry, we really feel like we've done our job. But we we do hope. Our prayer is that that we'll as go back as, to church. Our prayer is you'll go, go back, to, back church. to church. <laughs> go, yeah. Thank you for spin saying it that. Spit it out. Go back to church. The church, your brothers and sisters in Christ, need you. And you need your brothers and sisters in Christ. You need the word to be preached to you in the company of God's people. You're not going to get that um, live stream. Now, again, if you're in one of those extraordinary cases, praise God, your church is able to live stream for you. But everybody else, be in church. Be before uh, the, the, the man that God has sent to your church uh, to, to speak the word and, and receive that together with your brothers and sisters in Christ, serving one another praying with and for one another, lifting up songs of praise with one another. There's nothing else like it. It's the most countercultural thing that is happening on, on the soil of the United States right now is, is biblical Christian corporate worship. And if you want to be a part of something that is truly countercultural, truly revolutionary, truly otherworldly, then just get up and go to church on Sunday mornings. And you're a part of something that is unique um, and powerful, and of eternal significance, and we hope you'll do that. Um, if you get a chance, run over to our website, mortificationofspin.org. Um, check out the resources that we have for you there. If, uh, if you'd like to make a donation to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals so that they can continue to supply you with good content, then feel free to do that. Until then, um, this is Todd Pruitt signing off. We can't wait to talk to you next time. Bye-bye.
Thanks for listening to Mortification of Spin, a podcast of the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. For more on topics like this, visit mortificationofspin.org, where you can find other articles by Carl and Todd, browse the archive of past episodes, and make a donation. We'll talk to you next time on Mortification of Spin. agitation, hostility, depression, or changes in behavior, thinking, or mood that are not typical for you, call your doctor right away. The most common side effect is nausea. Patients also reported trouble sleeping and vivid, unusual, or strange dreams. Use caution when driving or operating machinery. Regardless of the personal risk, thank you for listening to Mortification of Spin. For generations, Christians have celebrated holidays and seasons with special songs. Prolific author and professor Leland Riken invites you to slow down and savor the well-turned phrases of your favorite hymns in his new book, 40 Favorite Hymns for the Christian Year. Now available from PNR Publishing, 40 Favorite Hymns for the Christian Year is a wonderfully devotional and poetic study featuring memorable hymns for the New Year, Good Friday, Easter, and Christmas. As an English professor, Leland provides historical background and literary analysis for each hymn, finishing each with a scripture reading. 40 Favorite Hymns for the Christian Year from PNR Publishing, your source for Christian books that provide clear, engaging, fresh, and insightful applications of Reformed theology to real life. Visit prpbooks.com.